Well, good morning, everyone. Welcome to Grace. So I am back again this morning to kick off service with another quizzing update for you guys. Noah Watley, will you please come forward? Thank you, sir. Um, so Noah and his team traveled quite far this past week to Fort Smith, Arkansas for our South Central Extrav. As I mentioned last week, Extravaganza is a regional tournament that sees teams from across the South Central part of the country in attendance, Louisiana, Texas, Mississippi, Arkansas, Colorado. And at this tournament, if you place first, second, or third, you automatically qualify for nationals in St. Charles, Missouri in July. And I am happy to report that Noah and his teammate Nathaniel placed second out of 30 teams, losing only to the first place team. Quite a feat. The team that they lost to was a phenomenal team with a lot of experience. And for Noah and Nathaniel's first year in seniors, uh, we are very, very proud of the progress that they're making. Um, and we are excited to be able to attend nationals again, but even more exciting than that is watching the word come alive in Noah's life this year. So thank you all for your continued support uh, of our quizzers. God bless. Well, praise the Lord. Let's do that again for the Lord. Amen, amen. Praise the Lord, it is good to see all of you here this morning. We're going to share in an opportunity today, an opportunity to give praise and worship to God, and also if you listen very carefully, I believe the Lord will speak something into your heart if you'll allow it. Amen? So thank you very much for being here this morning. If you're joining us on live stream, I believe the Lord can do something transformative in your life as well. It really doesn't matter where you are. If I could call your attention to our few announcements this morning, Tuesday, March 29th, well, we'll have our uh, Tuesday morning prayer at 10 a.m. in this sanctuary. Please attend if you are able. April 1st and 2nd, the public dorm uh, will be the public dorm work day in Tioga. They will need painters and basic carpentry and cleaning crew. If you're interested, please contact our church office. And finally, please remember that Brother Greg Albrecht will be with us on Sundays, April 3rd. 10th and 17th. God bless you this morning. Grace Church, it's uh, wonderful to be with you today. Would you stand with us this morning? Before we go into our worship set, we wanted to take an opportunity to uh, present to you a very uh, important prayer need, and we are going to pray together this morning. Um, several years ago, I became acquainted with um, Brother Aaron and Sister Kayla Sanders, who work at um, the boys, the Lighthouse Ranch for Boys. Many of you uh, know um, about that cause and what goes on at the ranch, and you also know Brother John and Sister Dana Smith. And uh, Kayla and Aaron work with them at the boys' ranch. They're very instrumental uh, in what goes on at the ranch on a daily basis. They are phenomenal people. Uh, but this past week, um, Sister Kayla gave birth to baby Judah um, pretty early. At 23 weeks, baby Judah was born, and uh, he was one pound and three ounces on the day of his birth. That is not what we had been praying for and not what we had hoped for, but this is what has happened. Now, as of this morning, baby Judah is doing well. Uh, his blood gases have leveled out. They were able to get a pick line into him, and he's doing about as well as a baby can do that's been born uh, this early. His nickname is Bear. And we want to pray for Baby Bear this morning and for Brother Aaron and Sister Kayla. We don't know what God has in store. We do not. But we know what he can do. 
we know what he is capable of doing. So before we sing and worship this morning, before we talk about the God that is able to keep hope alive, let's pray to that God and ask him to move on baby Judah's behalf and to just be a surrounding presence in that hospital room for these parents. Let's pray together this morning, Grace Church. Lord, we love you. We honor you. We magnify you. We recognize you as the almighty God, the God who can do anything. And you have every detail of our lives in mind. Lord, you were not surprised. You were not surprised at all by the early coming of baby Judah. You knew it was going to happen. His days are already written in your book. Lord, we pray that your presence would be there in that hospital room, that doctors and nurses would have wisdom, Lord, that they would have insight. Lord, we pray that you would be a comforting presence and a strengthening presence for Brother Aaron and Sister Kayla. Lord, we ask for your healing touch, for a strengthening touch. Lord, we ask in all things that your will be done. In Jesus' name, amen. Let's sing together today, church, and worship the Lord because he really does keep hope alive. We're going to sing about it today. Days may be darkest, though light is greater, you light our way, God, you light our way. The evil is rising,
presence of the Lord here today, and I think we would expect nothing less than uh, Jesus being here today, and I'm so thankful God is here. To all of our guests here today, welcome. We're so thankful that you're here to worship with us as well. Those of you joining us on live stream, Facebook Live, thank you so very much for being a part of our service as well. You can be seated just for a moment. Uh, today, this week actually has been a very eventful week, and we're so thankful for uh, the amazing blessing of God, hand of God. It's been made manifest this week. We're so thankful for that. I wanted just to quickly give Grace Church an update from uh, district conference uh, this past week at the campground. Um, I would like for everyone to notice today, everyone to be aware that uh, I believe we're experiencing a sovereign, sovereign move of God right now like we've not seen, uh, at least in my lifetime. And uh, there were more churches, there was a record number of churches in the Louisiana district that cooperated in giving this year more than ever in the history of the Louisiana district. And uh, that is a phenomenal statistic to me. In addition to that, uh, the giving to uh, Christmas for Christ, Mother's Memorial, Move the Mission, Save Our Children, all of these amazing um, things that we give to uh, virtually all of those records were broken this year in Louisiana district history uh, you say well this seems to be all about money it, it, it is about money but it's also a whole lot about people's passion uh, fervency I can, I can report to you that at district conference uh, Wednesday night and Thursday night there was a whole different attitude and perspective there among the ministry than I've ever seen before. And I believe God is doing a great work. Uh, uh, I believe it's a sovereign, a sovereign move of God. The, the preaching was just amazing. Brother Bruce Howell, our foreign mission director, preached Wednesday night and shared miracles that happened, have happened all over the world just in the past year or so. One of the most phenomenal, at least one of the most phenomenal uh, miracles he shared. He had photographs to back it up. A lot of you may have already heard about it, but it was a baby born uh, in, in one of our uh, foreign missionary churches whose legs were backwards. They're, the baby, the little girl's feet was pointing towards the back of her body instead of in front of her body. Her legs were completely twisted. Uh, they prayed for her. Of course, there was nothing the doctors could do. And they prayed for her one night. And when they woke up the next morning in the hospital, her legs were completely normal facing forward. He had photographs to prove that, to document that. That's happened in the past couple of years. I, I do want to say in passing, while we've been struggling with COVID and, and, and all of our fears and what have you, God has still been performing the miraculous around the world. And I'm very thankful for that. Um, one of our missionary families, a long story, but uh, their very young baby right after birth passed away. And uh, they were not allowed in the hospital, of course, uh, to see the baby due to COVID and all that. The, the dad just completely, one of our uh, um, native missionaries, um, just kept pressing and pressing. And they finally let him go see his deceased child. 
and he picked that baby up and for several hours prayed and after several hours the baby sneezed on his shoulders and they ended up taking him home from the hospital alive and well had been dead almost 48 hours this is going on in our world and it's it's kind of you know as us spoiled american people we we have a hard time getting our head around that i don't say that to be facetious but it's true uh these folks and, and, and these photographs he was showing, um, they had no other recourse but to turn to Jesus. That's, that's all they had, and they did, and, and God came through. Anyway, powerful service Wednesday night. Uh, Thursday night was ordination service. I'm happy to report in Louisiana District we had 14 couples, 14 men that were being ordained into the ministry, one of the bigger numbers they've had in recent years. I, I just believe that God is working uh, like he's never worked before. And the beauty of it is people are responding to it. It's absolutely responded to it. Uh, as far as Grace Church at District Conference this year, I'm happy to report to you that in Christmas for Christ giving, we were fifth in the state. Very happy about that. And uh, you made that possible. You made that possible. Uh, Mother's Memorial, we were sixth in the state of Louisiana. And uh, Save Our Children, we were tenth in Louisiana, and they did the move the mission offering. They did it in tiers, not in, uh, we were in the top tier in giving, uh, but I don't know what the rank was. It doesn't matter. But this is the thought I left with, uh, not boasting, I'm thankful. But giving is a great, great pulpit. It is a phenomenal pulpit. You can reach people by the scores through giving. Yes, you can. And uh, I'm thankful for Grace Church that, that you give so generously. And uh, we have moved the mission fundraising been going on in our lobby. Uh, don't, I, I've not gotten a final tally of, of, of just the past, uh, last, through last Sunday of what, has, what they've raised in the lobby. Uh, what do y'all call it? Shopping in the lobby or something like that, whatever it's called. And, uh, but it's working. And it's our, our younger young people are doing that and making that happen and we're so thankful for it and i'm thankful for such an amazing move of god's presence today would you stand with me one more time and let's give the lord some more appreciation for the moving of the spirit thank the lord our our praise team has done amazing today in setting the atmosphere for what I want to preach to you today. I'm very thankful for that. And uh, I'm going to ask everybody here to, to open your heart. Go ahead and get a beat on, on who's here and who's not here. Look around. Say, oh, yeah, I know them. Yeah, I know them. They're glad that whatever. Everybody do that. Get that so we can focus on the Word of God and, and not be distracted by this and that while the preaching of the Word is going on. I'm asking everybody to join with me in the presentation of the Word of God today. And let's see God do some amazing things before we leave here today. What do you say? I've not come here today to go through the motions. I haven't. I don't ever show up on Sunday or Wednesday to go through the motions. I want God to have his way. I want God to move us to where he is, literally. Thank the Lord. 1 Samuel chapter 30, verse 18. I preached from this several Sundays ago and have felt inspired to go back to it uh, a little bit here today. Verse 18, the Bible said, And David recovered all, recovered everything, that the Amalekites had carried away. And David rescued 
his two wives, and there was nothing lacking to them, neither small nor great, neither son nor daughters. This is an amazing passage of Scripture here today. He recovered everything that the enemy had taken away, including his wives. The Bible said there was nothing that he lacked when he was done with this recovery process. I want to speak to you for a little while today from the bottom of my heart and with as much faith and passion as I can muster. I want to speak to you for a little while today about when the odds aren't in your favor. When the odds aren't in your favor. Everybody say, thank God for the word. Thank you so much for standing. God bless you. You may be seated. I think we have all, all of us here today have had those moments in our lives and they, if they're too far in the past, they may seem to be a little bit insignificant now because time moves on and headlines change in our lives and what have you. But I have been up, some situa- up against some situations where it just seemingly was no possible way that we were going to come out of this positively. I think all of us can go there in our mind. There's a man who stands out in our American history from a number of years ago, and I've shared this story before, but it fits here today. His name was John Wesley Powell. He's been pretty much forgotten. If I ask here today for a show of hands, I'm not, but how many people know him and know his story? It'd probably be just a handful. But it used to be that every grade school kid in America knew who John Wesley Powell was because of his amazing courage to survive a journey that was against all odds. He virtually had no hope. As a matter of fact, a lot of people thought that Powell was crazy. He was nuts. The expedition he wanted to embark on was simply too dangerous, and especially for a man who only had one arm. During the Civil War, Powell had lost his arm when an enemy soldier shot him in his forearm. The wound led him to an amputation. But Powell never let his injury stop him from becoming a national hero. I'd like to say here today there's the church of, of God, the church of the living God, if you will, is full of injured people. It's full of wounded people. And it would be an amazing thing to me today to see people who have been so wounded look at this, look at your situation and event in your life as not an opportunity to quit, but not an opportunity to become a martyr, but an opportunity to be more in the kingdom of God than you've ever been before. To become a hero, if you will, in the kingdom of God. Back in 1869, conventional wisdom said that passage through the Grand Canyon via the Colorado River was impossible. The country surrounding the Grand Canyon oozed with legends of doomed expeditions. Everybody that tried it failed. No one had ever dared that stretch of river and came out alive. 
out of all the expeditions that had given it their best shot, up until this time there was not one single survivor, not one. One army lieutenant who had explored the Colorado just on the southern side of the Grand Canyon believed that powerful river so treacherous that the Colorado, along with the greater part of its lonely and majestic way, shall forever, this man said, be unvisited and undisturbed. But the one armed explorer thought he would be the one, he could be the one that would pull it off. So on May the 24th, 1869, Powell and a party of nine stepped into their boats to attempt the thousand-mile journey. Along the way, their party encountered numerous ambushes. They were ambushed by Legion Killer Rapids. They were ambushed by waterfalls. They were ambushed by boulders aside of cabins. They were ambushed by the loss of boats, critical food stuff, and instruments. Yet 100 days later, Powell and five men emerged from two boats. The hope for their survival had been given up on weeks prior. They were suffering from exposure and near starvation, but they made it. Everybody said they made it. They made it. What happened to the other four men? One decided to turn back. The other three, after numerous disagreements with Powell, left the expedition. They hiked up to the rim of the canyon only to be killed by Indians. But Powell and his men rose up against the odds and they pushed on through. I want to submit to you this morning that life and service to God is going to have more than one or two obstacles for you to move through. And the longer I live, the more and more I'm coming to believe that it is something that burns in the heart of a man that helps him to press on through the odds. Grace Church is beginning to understand the literal armaments that have been afforded to her. Revival has the capacity to awaken those things within the heart of even the most distant saint of God. Praise the Lord. Paul said in 2 Corinthians, For we walk, for though we walk in the flesh, we do not war after the flesh. For the weapons of our warfare are not carnal, but mighty through God to the pulling down of strongholds, casting down imaginations and every high thing that exalts itself against the knowledge of God and bringing into captivity every thought to the obedience of Christ. Over the past couple of years, what Satan has embezzled from the church both individually and collectively, is reaching a point, at least here at Grace Church, it's reaching a point of recovery. I want everybody to understand that. I feel like I'm preaching to the first church of the Frigidaire right now, as though my microphone's not even on. 
But I am preaching to somebody today. There's hope. There's hope for today. There's hope for tomorrow. There's hope for next week. There's hope from now to rapture. If we can direct our faith one more time towards a God who still has everything under control, everything in his power, everything according to his will is going to be done. If we can redirect our faith to that, we can have a revival in this church like we've never dreamed of. Yes, we can. Satan has embezzled from the church. We all know that. He's done it to individuals. He's done it to families. And he's done it to the church collectively over the past couple of years. But we are reaching a point of recovery. The devil has plundered our joy. He's robbed our victory. He's kidnapping our children who are getting caught up in all kinds of things. He has pillaged our prayers. He has mocked our worship. He's looted our peace. But there's always another side to the story. I've lived a long time and I've been in church a long time. And this is one thing I know about Jesus. It doesn't matter how consequential and dire and difficult an event in your life may be right now. You may think there is absolutely no hope. But God, everybody say, but God. That's really all that needs to be said, but I'm going to go ahead and finish it. But God has a way. God has a way. God has a way of turning the table on the impossible, on the hopeless, on the things we've given up on, on the things we don't even pray about anymore. God God has a way. Hallelujah. Hallelujah. You may be seated. Thank you. One of the Old Testament minor prophets said, I read it this week, that God has his way in the storm. A powerful scripture setting. It simply means that it doesn't matter how dark and bleak and hopeless and lifeless and helpless and beyond your reach and beyond your means, beyond your capability. It doesn't matter how far and desperate things get in our life. God is still present. And it's in those moments that he's proven he can still have his way. Oh, yes. I'm feeling the atmosphere perk up a little bit right now. I feel like there's some people here right now that really believes that, that you believe you've experienced it, you've lived it, that God has had his way in your life when it has seemed to be so impossible. Everybody clap your hands to the Lord today. Hallelujah. And I want to say to you today, all the things that have been lost, all the things that have been destroyed in our lives and what have you, they can be restored and they must be restored. And it can happen in a church setting where our hope is not in ourselves, but our hope is in another. And his name is Jesus. Everybody say Jesus. One who is much higher and more powerful than anything 
in this world. So Grace Church, we must arise to the occasion and pursue. We must arise and pursue. It's not a time to stop praying. It's not a time to give up on fasting. It's not a time to give up on giving and being faithful. It's not a time for that. I'm preaching to Grace Church today. I believe we're crossing a threshold right now where God is restoring and God is empowering the church to recover. I'm preaching to somebody here today. Church was never intended to be something that was stagnant and static. It is ever seeking to meet the challenge of its times. It is dynamic and pulsing with life. The church is still dynamic and pulsing with life. To get to the, the, to get to the setting of the story for which 1 Samuel 30 is leading up to, One must understand, and I think if those of you that are somewhat a student of the Bible understands the story of Ziklag, the enemy came in and destroyed the place. It's where David uh, was basing out of. It was his home. And uh, he had been run out of Jerusalem, and uh, he was running for his life. And uh, we forget in this story of Ziklag that while simultaneously, While David was trying to encourage himself over what happened in Ziklag and how that his family had been kidnapped and his possessions had been stolen, he had been looted, everything he had was destroyed. While he was waging war somewhere else, the enemy took advantage of the soldiers being gone from Ziklag. What we forget is Saul was still pursuing him. David had an enemy on two fronts that he was fighting at the same time. Running from King Saul, who was commander-in-chief over the Israeli army. But he was also now pursuing the Amalekites. Come to that story in just a moment. But he was pursuing them because they had kidnapped his wives and family and destroyed his home and took all of his possessions. I don't know how many will go here with me, but if you really try to get your head around what David is going through here, he can have that moment in his mind, that moment mentally, that moment emotionally that says, everything in life is against me. Why pursue anything else? Why even try anything else? I want everybody to hear and understand today. This is the man who was anointed to be a prophet. He was anointed to be king. He even had a moment moment of, of anointing for the priesthood. Yes, he did. If anybody was that at one time in his life really amazing for God, it was David. You all know the story. David was a giant killer. He killed a bear. He killed a lion. He accomplished all these amazing feats. He did this. He did that. And everybody was all about David, all about David. But life has a way of jerking the rug out from under you so bad. You don't know what to do. You don't know where to go. There's people here this morning that there's things going on in your life and in your family. You don't know what to do. 
There's a situation going on right now that I feel like I'm very close to in our church. I've talked to the family a long time on several, a number of occasions about a situation going on in their family. And right now, it seems oh so hopeless. So hopeless. But God, but God isn't done yet. God isn't done yet. We've had stories, we've had events in this church, we've had things happen in this church that's unbelievable. I'll never forget a flood we had in Baker when our church was in Baker. There was a car in front of our church. It flooded so bad on Groom Road in that particular section right in front of our church. Some of you here, a few of you here today will remember it. Water had gone over the headlights of that car. It covered the headlights of that car. I want you to hear that. It had gone up over the headlights. I'm past the tires, past the fenders. It was over the headlights. A Baker policeman called me at home that day and said, I, feel, I just really regret to tell you, but your church is flooded out with water because there's a car in front of it that has water over the headlights and there's no way y'all don't have water in your building. And all I could say was, but God. The water receded later that afternoon enough that we could get to the church. There was a branch that had come out of a tree that was perhaps as long as it was from here to the front of the drum cage right there. It was about four or five inches where it connected to the tree. It was sitting on our doormat in front of the front doors of our church in Baker. It had floated up to those doormats. Now you can look at me in whatever tone of voice you want to look at me at right now. But I was the first one to walk in that church. I was the one that went in there. I, this ain't hearsay. This is, this is pastor walking into that church. There was not a drop of water in that church. Not a single drop. <laughs> now, I, I feel a little skepticism going on here right now. You can say what you want. I know what happened. I was there. And I didn't hear about it. I was there and I heard about it. We didn't have to sop up water in the lobby. We didn't have to mop a little bit here and there. I'm telling you. There was not one single drop of water in that building. I'm telling you that story to say what was an impossible situation. It's not possible that water stopped at your doormat. We learned that in 2016. But it happened at the First Pentecostal Church in Baker during that time. I'm here to tell somebody today, your situation may seem impossible, but... God. Hallelujah. Oh, God, I feel the Holy Ghost right now. Oh, yes, I do. Thank the Lord. You may be seated. We find in the opening chapter of 1 Samuel 29 that David was in a place called Aphek. Aphek was a three-day journey from Ziklag. While David had been in Aphek, the Amalekites had been working destruction at the only safe place that David had in his life. If you remember, the Amalekites were those people who had badgered and provoked the children of Israel practically every step of the way when they left Egypt, even until the time they settled into the Promised Land. Finally, God had had enough of the Amalekites. 
He instructed King Saul to just eradicate them, to annihilate them. But Saul, in the sad spiritual condition that he was living in, refused to fulfill the entire purpose of God in his life. He only obeyed a part of what God said. We all have to understand here today, and it's kind of a hard part in this message, it's going to be a little kink, but partial obedience is equivalent to full disobedience to God. And that's what Saul did. So what Saul refused to deal with in his life during his time became an issue and a major issue in the life of someone following him. The principle is that we must realize that our life does indeed affect those around us and those coming after us. So now because of the Amalekites, who had not been dealt with by Saul, now began to heckle David and his men. And in his absence, they came and disrupted the lives of those in Ziklag. And all the wives of David and his men were taken. It was an incredibly moment, an incredibly discouraging moment of despair and disillusionment for David. David had 600 men. He had 600 men. But 200 of those men were too weary to cross the brook Vesar. So David allowed them to stay behind while only 400 of his 600 men pursued the Amalekites. The news just keeps getting worse. David had 600 men, but only 400 were able to travel with him. I want to say here in passing, every church, including this one, will have among its saints those who love for God burns high and their faith is real, but at times their strength becomes weakened and they become depressed in spirit and more than anything they need rest, not criticism, but rest. A lot of factors may have been involved in their weariness. They had at one time been in an alliance with the Philistines against Israel. They had been forced to march for three days back to Ziklag. Sometimes the pace is wearying. They had to deal with the grief of their loss at Ziklag, and perhaps even the force of a swollen brook at Besar was enough to dishearten them. But whatever the case may be, they were allowed to remain in a place of restoration and rest, and we believe in that here at Grace Church. This same characteristic is found in this church. We must consider that there are those around us who need our encouragement and our support during times of weariness of battle. We will find that one of those days when we get to heaven that we help someone else get there. And what a day that will be. So David and his 400 pressed on and engaged the Amalekites. 1 Samuel 30, 17 gives us a hint as to the battle. David smote them, the Bible said, from the twilight even until the evening of the next day. Sometimes the battle requires more than just a day. The church was not built in a day. A man of God is not built in a day. A prayer warrior, an intercessor, is not built in a day. A stress fracture in life may take more than a day to recover. Sometimes it just takes time to conquer and to win and to be what God wants us to be. Even the day of Pentecost after a tarrying time, whatever the cost is, no matter what the obligation required, the church finds itself at a point where she must pursue and conquer no matter how long it takes. And I must stay involved in it. 
no matter how difficult it may seem, no matter how difficult it may seem, there is a God who can help a man recover. Satan will want some to think that we're like Esau and we cannot recover the birthright. You have sold something that you cannot buy back. The devil will want us to think that we're sometimes like Judas Iscariot, that we have betrayed what we will never be able to redeem. We're like the rich young ruler who has bypassed the intersection of opportunity and that somehow we can't make a U-turn. The enemy of our soul would cause us to think that we cannot retrace our steps, but we cannot believe the liar. We cannot believe the liar. I want to submit a challenge today to the fallen. Micah 7, 8, one of my favorite verses in the scripture. I've lived it all of my life. He said, rejoice not against me, O mine enemy. For when I fall, I'll rise again. And when I sit in darkness, the light of God will be a light around me. If we have fallen, the challenge is to get back up again. Ziklag had been looted and destroyed. But David encouraged himself in the Lord, and a fire was rekindled. David recovered in a day what he had lost over a period of months and even perhaps years. He fought on against the odds. He only had 400 men fighting against a complete army. army. Difficulties are suddenly left in the dust. Tears of defeat turn into songs of victory. Trouble suddenly turns into the spiritual gymnasium that hardens our muscle. Apostolic quest, purpose, and passion may have been robbed from us, but we must recover those things which have been lost. Rise to the full potential that God has invested in us. David refused to lift a hand against Saul, but he went after the molesting force of the Amalekites and destroyed them. The principle here is that some things we may have to put up with out of our brother. But we never have to submit to the antics and the wicked influence of the world and the flesh and the devil. God is a recoverer. He is a restorer. He is a rebuilder. The epistle of Peter reveals to us his descent towards recovery. You remember the story about a man that Jesus encountered during his earthly ministry? He was called the demoniac from Gadara. Y'all remember that? You read that story lately. Can you bring it back up into your memory here real quick? You talk about one hopeless dude. Y'all, are y'all with me on that? I still like I'm still preaching to the first church of the frigid I don't know what's going on here at Grace Church. I hope everybody's going to say, we're just listening. I need some action. You remember the man of Gadara? He was void of clothing. He was void of mind. He was void of morals. The devil had completely destroyed him. The devil completely possessed him by the thousands. Psychologists can't help that. Medication can't help that. They couldn't help it either. They chained that guy. They, they, they could have given him a tad of hope and chained him to the front of the synagogue or the back of the synagogue that we're at least praying for you. 
They chained that cat to a tombstone. They put him in the epitome of hopelessness. Anybody on board with that? The devil had completely destroyed him. There's people here today that need this and you're not listening. The devil had completely had his way in this man's life. And by anybody's estimation, was hopeless. Jesus showed up and possessed with thousands of demons. This man ran to Jesus and fell at his feet and worshiped him. And just in a moment, God cast him out. And the Bible went on to say that he was of sound mind. He was clothed and wanted to become a missionary with Jesus. And Jesus said, no, go to your own hometown and your family and tell them what God has done for you. And no doubt he did. God is awesome when all the odds or against you. Does anybody remember the woman at the well that Jesus encountered? She had been pillaged. She had been pirated. She had been wasted by illicit relationships. She had had five husbands. I've heard in America, they say it in jest, but there's got to be an element of truth to it. When you've been divorced twice and want to marry the third time, you need to go look in the mirror and maybe you're the problem this time. Amen. You need to do some soul searching. Anyway, this woman had been married five times. And instead of marrying the sixth, she just decided to shack up with him. But Jesus, but Jesus, but Jesus. Even the disciples couldn't handle this situation. The Bible said Jesus sent them to Walmart to do some grocery shopping. Y'all go take care of some stuff, and I'm going to go to the well and get a drink of water. He knew that woman was going to be there. They couldn't even handle this situation, so he sent them away. They had a conversation about God, and they had a conversation about worship. And then Jesus, just like that, dwindled it all down, funneled it all down to her life. And said, go home and tell your husband something. And she said, well, I'm not married. He said, you're right. You've had five husbands. And the man you're living with right now is not your husband. But he said it in a way. He said it in a way that was not condemning, that was not judgmental. I have to confess today, and I hate to do so, but sometimes Pentecost is full of the judgmental stuff and all of that stuff. And we call it observation sometimes, but we're, we're, we're judging and and what have you, but God don't do that. He still doesn't do that. And I think one of the greatest representations a church can have of Jesus is to keep your opinion about people to yourself. Jesus was handling this woman's situation in private. He didn't do it in front of the disciples. He didn't do it in front of a multitude of people like he had performed so many other miracles. But he spoke to her. And when life had sucked everything out of this woman, if you would, she was like a piece of chewing gum that all the sweetness had been chewed out and then literally spit in the dirt. Nothing left. No one to help her. No one to minister to her. She was a castaway. She had been done away with. But Jesus stepped into her life. And against all Sorted, tainted, of questionable reputation. And all of these details first forced her to go to a well in the middle of the day by herself. 
But when Jesus got through, her morality, her chastity, her purity was restored. Her transformation was so drastic. Bible scholars has linked this so beautifully that in Acts chapter 8, when Philip got to Samaria, the reason he had such an amazing overflow of revival and the people by the hundreds and thousands came to hear him preach was because of that woman's testimony when she got home. I met a man that told me everything about my life, and he was wonderful. I would to God today that somebody is going to come up here in a few minutes and meet a God that you've never known before. Thank you. You may be seated. Let me finish my statement. I want somebody to come up here today and meet a God that you've never met before. I wonder if this woman from Samaria, because she talked about church, she talked about worship, she told Jesus, one of these days we're going to be in a hill up there and we're going to all praise the Lord together. She had to have some background in church somewhere. So the church of the Pharisee didn't work for her. She still couldn't go to the well with those church women. The church of the Sadducee didn't work for her. That's a little bit uppity, a little bit too rich for her blood. And she certainly couldn't go to the well with them church women. So all the religion she knew and all that she had heard about God and all that had been testified about God and all that Old Testament stuff, she had heard it. All of her life, but that day, she saw, she saw a manifestation of God that through all of her church experience, she never knew existed. That is a word from the Lord for somebody here today. I have learned with God. What he determines to take, he gets. He took the keys of death, hell, and the grave. And God always shows up at every service with those keys. He is the recoverer of all. I don't feel I need to go any further today if our musicians and singers would come. There's, there's some families here today. There's one specifically here today that when I met them in their living room, their marriage was hopeless. The one spouse said, I'm leaving. That was about 15 plus years ago. They're still here. I've seen... Moms and dads take that treacherous road of issues with their kids and all of that. I've seen kids, I've counseled with people in my office whose parents took a, a turn somewhere. There's, there's grown children here today. I watched one of our younger young people here today worshiping the Lord up here with everybody. 
She was just praising the Lord, singing with all of her heart. And I could not help but think to myself, where's your grandfather? Why isn't he here to celebrate your Jesus with you? Folks, there's a lot of people that I know, Grace Church, there's a lot of people I know, and there's a lot of people you know. We all know people that have this view and understanding of God and even this view and understanding of the church. That's one way. And perhaps there's a lot of truth from your perspective and to what you believe. You're like the woman at the well. You, you know God and you know the church based on some experiences. But is it possible, like the woman at the well today, that you could meet Jesus in a way that you've never met him before? I don't detect in this woman. I've studied the scripture for years. You have too. I don't even really detect, Brother Blake, where she was even that hungry. She wasn't looking for Jesus that day. She wasn't looking for some big encounter with God that day and have this big awesome revelation about this Jesus man that she had heard of but had never met before and probably thought she'd never meet him. Don't read where she was desperate and crying. and She wasn't like the woman with the issue of blood and had tried this, tried that. She had this viewpoint in her head. She had this perspective in her head that said, I really don't know where to go from here. I really don't know what to do from here. The presence of Jesus at the well that day was so overpowering. The presence of Jesus that day was so overwhelming. It was an impression he made on her that she just couldn't systematically dismiss. She couldn't ignore it. She, and his, his words, forgive me, but his words to me really wasn't that profound. He just had a conversation with her. I feel the Holy Ghost right now. Just, this isn't in my notes. Jesus just sat on the side of that well and just had a conversation with the woman. And before it was all said and done, no doubt she was sobbing tears into her water pipe. Amazed that this Jesus existed. But her past religious experience never showed him to her, never revealed him to her. I know today I'm not a novice. I just got my Medicare card in the mail. Not a novice preaching for almost 40 years but I recognize the presence of God when it zooms in, when it zeroes in on a congregation of people I recognize it, I feel it and that's what's happening right now Jesus has come into this room today to reveal himself to somebody that you've never known in your past you've had relationship with God like this woman did you've had relationship with God like this woman did. She knew of him. 
but she never met him like this. stand with me today. The praise team opened this service today with a song that says, I keep hope alive, he keeps hope alive. You see, believe Jesus just walked up to another woman at the well right now. He's, he's talking to somebody right now. He's, you see, if you understand, you understand. Jesus is here today to present himself. He's waited till you've hit rock bottom. He's waited till the rug has been jerked out from under you. Now you're ready. You may not be hungry for him. This may not be what you came to church for. He's come to change your plans. He is so desperate, as he just told us. He wants to meet with you now. He wants to talk to you today. So, as they begin to sing softly, please don't ignore the presence of God here today. It's for your sake. It's for your good. They begin to sing. Look at everybody, everybody, our guest, everybody. As you make your way forward and Nobody's going to talk to you about anything.
say.